Dale, Chamberlain of All Ages, and Walter Payne Radio presents the greatest podcast in the world, The Marketech Samuel Plan, The Devil's Advocate Shinobi, The Lunatic King Maverick, and Single Syllable Mother, The Right Side of the Pond. And of course, if you're not down with that, we got two words for you! Sup, Lord's Pain, and welcome to the right side of the pond. It is Friday, and this week, myself and Plan are here to uh, have a little bit of a change of pace. We've obviously done a lot of WrestleMania discussion over the past, well, that, that extremely long WrestleMania build. Um, and then we've obviously talked Superstar Shake Up, which then nonsensically got shaken up again um as i think <laughs> as i think we predicted actually um so this week uh, we're gonna take a little bit of a dive into nxt uk we've not touched uh, on our very own um brand of developmental for a few weeks really um and planning his uh, sunday column last week um made some very interesting points about its quiet success which i think is a very nice way to put it um so we're just going to kind of have a have a chat about some of the the characters we've enjoyed um some of the um the the sort of structures and and cars placement and positioning of talent uh, that we've enjoyed on that show and of course as always we'll probably end up going off down a few um tangents um so um i mean basically plan i think one thing that stands out to me uh, about the product itself is that it, it seems to be a, a sort of a, a nice returns the way that early episodes of monday night raw i mean really early episodes of Monday Night raw used to go about their business yeah well i mean the, the straight off the bat it's that one hour format i think we've t- we've spoken about that on the show uh, in the past several times as well it's what nxt uh us uh, has gone through what 205 live has gone through i think collectively those three shows demonstrate on a, on a regular basis on a weekly basis that that a, a one hour weekly television show uh, is from a from a creative standpoint because of course you get all the you know you get all the bump about advertising space and all the rest of it but uh, you know what the network uh, TV networks demand and whatnot but uh, from a from a strictly uh, uh, creative point of view from the point of view of, of the product output uh, that one hour format is uh, you know it's it's well it's it's holy territory it's the best. It's the best. It's got. It's the golden format. You know, it just it just works and it works really well. And I've said it a thousand times. You know, if if any folks listening to our show is, is uh, are fans, big fans of NXT US or NXT UK, I imagine most of them are. Uh, go back and check out those early Monday Night Raws. There's a lot of squash matches in there, but the format is very much the same. That you go through the first couple of years, particularly. Uh, and there are angles and there are storylines that unfold in very much the way you would see them unfold uh, on on NXT TV, be it American or British today. And that's what's so nice about it. You know, it's it feels very pointed and it feels very purposeful and it feels very uh, much like uh, the characters are always 
you know, taking that next step of, of development, or at least the most prominent ones are. And you know what? It, it's it's always, I think, beneficial to be um, in on a product from ground zero uh, because you get to see that growth of the roster in real time and you get to see the kind of uh, the, the, the way in which you know, those characters establish themselves and you, you get you get a long term sense of of how things are developing. You know, like I think back to, you know, NXT Classic, for example, and, you know, Sami Zayn's eventual victory over Neville came after years of him, um, you know, sort of. Uh, falling at the last hurdle and then obviously Kevin Owens betrayal was even more poignant because of the fact that it came at the very point where Sami Zayn was celebrating the fact that he'd finally won the big one and it's that sort of it's that sort of thing that you you're beginning to see um built with NXT UK because you know there's already a sense of of pieces falling into place you know you've got um you know, at the top of the roster, Pete Dunne has established the brand. We thought he might be moving on to other things, but he's sticking around at least for a little bit while longer. You've got the kind of the dramatic entrance of Walter um, as, you know, the surprise, you know, the big signing, which, again, is a trope that you often saw on on WWF TV in the early to mid 90s. Um, and then you've got characters that are just winning you know, people over and also in kayfabe winning over, you know, the decision makers, you know, people like Jordan Devlin, um, people like Travis Banks, people like, you know, well, obviously Joe Coffey was the first example because he went on a tear that led to him being Pete Dunne's challenger um, at the first uh, UK takeover. So you've got that, that sense of people establishing themselves of, of the roster gradually settling into a sort of a headlining section, a mid-card section, you know, obviously with well, also well-established tag and women's divisions. And, you know, the signings haven't stopped, but what they've got is a nice sort of stable core of a roster now. Um, and as you say, like even the squash matches, you know, that you've got people like Jack Stars who just come in just to get squashed. And, and um, you know, squash matches when used well, even in modern wrestling, can still be very effective. They're always effective. I mean, look, it did uh, Ryback no uh, no harm, did it, when they built him up on the back of them? Uh, well, exactly, there was yeah. a, there was a there was a reason why it was so uh, fundamental a part of those early Monday Night Raws as well, um, because it meant that. I mean, it's not it's not the case that it would necessarily work the same way, especially on main roster TV now, because obviously you've got two and three hour shows to fill, but. Again, with the one-hour format, another reason why it's great is that, you know, you, you'd fill it up with squash matches where, you know, your name stars, like the ones you've just thrown out there, you know, a Jordan Devlin or a Joe Coffey would, uh, for want of a better phrase, get their stuff in on the jobber, you know, do their, you know, nail their trademarks, nail their familiar uh, uh, moves and set pieces and then win. And then... That, you would just have a steady uh, parade of that for, for some time. And then every now and then, you know, there'd be a blinder of a match that comes out. Uh, for example, to use a, uh, an example I always remember from, from Monday Night Raw in 93, you know, you have months of, of squash matches and then all of a sudden Shawn Michaels defends the Intercontinental title against Hacksaw Jim Duggan of all people. And it's awesome. 
you know, and, and those competitive matches like that then become all the more satisfying to watch as a fan because you've seen that, that you know, you've seen months of squash matches, you've become familiar with, you know, the the key sort of fundamental sort of central moves of, of these different characters. Uh, and then when, it, when you eventually work around to a Shawn Michaels versus a Marty Jannetty, both of whom you're now intimately familiar with as a fan because of all these squash matches, it's even more dramatic. It's hard to achieve that when you've got to fill two or three hours every week Meaning that you know one of the ways you do that is you have long competitive matches each and every single week. And what I've liked, what I've enjoyed about NXT UK, because you, you know you do get squash matches, but it does feel like it's much more of the of the the modern day method. You know there is there are a lot of competitive matches, but it's it's the way that because they've not got you know, a pay-per-view to build to every four weeks and because they've only ever done one takeover and they aren't married to a specific takeover schedule like NXT US has become, uh, that you've seen storylines culminate and, and climax at a natural point. So you get matches like the uh, Jordan Devlin, Travis Banks, Force Count Anywhere match, for example, at a point where it feels organic and it should happen and then it's awesome when it, when it does happen. And what's interesting about that is just today I was talking to our Australian friend Sam, Sir Sam, on Twitter, uh, talking about the Money in the Bank card and how they've booked AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins already. Um, you know, and he was saying, do you think they brought that forward because of AEW? I said maybe, but you know, it's it's not necessarily a bad thing because the culture of we've got to hold off on this big match until this big event is a toxic one uh, that's bitten them, you know, bitten the company more times than I can count. Whereas NXT UK is once again, and to be fair, I guess NXT US does this as well, Is but, but less so now, um, is reminding us that, again, from a strictly creative standpoint, the product will always benefit from having those big matches at a point where the creative demands the big match happen, rather than saying, okay, we've got to have Jordan Devlin and Travis Banks you know, culminate this feud, but we've got to wait until we do another takeover to do it. I mean, what was clever about that is obviously they booked the match to the takeover, but then wrote the match oh, off had yeah. Finn Balor come in instead which gave Jordan Devlin a you know a kind of a lesson but also um you know gave him a big you know um a big opportunity in front of maybe people that hadn't seen him wrestle before who might have just watched that takeover because Finn Balor showed up um and then you know their feud continued once the sort of kayfabe injury uh has gone up has, has happened and they had that brilliant um false count anywhere match which was like absolutely fantastic um one of my favorite matches of the year for sure um and you know i think this is the thing is you're getting a tv main events that have been built to over a, a period of time you know i mean at the moment you've got this storyline with cassius ono coming over from nxt um and basically saying he works the british style better than the british wrestlers do um and you know, and that's been and that's been really clever uh, because it's 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 kind of allowed you know sort of Travis Banks to act in defence of Ashton Smith. Then you've had Casasano basically pick on Ligero, saying what the hell a British luchador, what a load of rubbish. And they had a match this week where he was um, trying to take his mask off, and then as Ligero tried to put it back on, he hit his finisher and pinned him. So there's a lot of clever storytelling that's going on they had another really nice angle with um eichner and bartel walking around the access 
um, at where you can do like the wrestlers entrances and cut promos and stuff and saying, well, this shows a lack of respect. You have to earn this. You have to be in our position and have done the miles on the road to get this. You shouldn't just be able to walk in here as a fan and walk up this aisle. Um, so there's, there's, there's all these opportunities that they have for developing character. There was a great Jordan Devlin promo where he walked along the beach um, in County Galway uh, when he, you know, just basically cutting a, a selfie promo. And, you know, obviously we've seen Dean Ambrose do that. Um, uh, you know, sort of first prominent person to do that, at least on WWE TV. But it was really effective because it was kind of like him saying, look, they've left me off this card. What the hell? I'm, I'm, I'm the person that should be, um, that should be on the main event every single week. And it just builds into his, his ego laden character that he's kind of you know basically taken his ball and gone home because they've not booked him um. <laughs> i mean the whole the whole the whole product on that brand is so uh, dialed into who these characters are there's such a palpable sense of identity for each one of the sort of the preeminent characters on the show to the point where you know one of the things that i wrote in my column and one of the things that i love so much about that brand is is the roster position, and we bang on about this all the time. But NXT UK is demonstrative of how, just how naturally effective a product becomes when you've got a clearly defined structure on your roster. You know, you know who the top guys are. You know who the the upper mid card sort of attraction stars are. You know who the the mid card workhorses are, and you know who the rest are. You know, and when you have that, every single thing, whether it's a promo like you say, Jordan Devlin at home saying. You know, I'm I'm the I'm a big star. You know, he's kind of an upper mid carder, so it gets you excited for potentially him breaking through or getting a title shot or whatever, having a running with some of those top stars, uh, or or whether it's a Walter coming in from you know from beyond the product to essentially be a, a sort of an invasive disruption in the the status quo. Gallus, of of course, you know, and and other people as well, Eddie Dennis and so forth. So, um, you know, when when you have uh, so when you get a match like uh, Jordan Devlin versus Walter, which I think is going to be happening next week, um, that automatically becomes sort of twice twice as exciting as it otherwise would be because you know exactly from a contextual point of view on a subconscious level, you know exactly sort of what Walter's role is on the show and you know where Jordan Devlin is, Devlin is on the on the the ladder, so to speak, the metaphorical ladder. Uh, and so the whole match, the whole story, the whole situation takes on another life all its own. And that and that's so much more satisfying than just a steady rotation of and now this guy wrestles this guy and this guy wrestles this guy. Now Jinder Mahal is champion. And now Kofi Kingston is champion. You know, you want a sense of identity, not just for these characters, but for the show. And when you have that strong roster position, you get both of those things, I think. And, you know, it, it, it has a lot of the other things that old episodes of Raw have, you know, when this backstage stuff, it feels it feels organic. It doesn't feel, you know, this sort of Kevin Dunn bright lights, you know, everything is super slick. It it feels, you know, when, for example, Eddie Dennis and um, uh, Dave Mastiff have a brawl backstage, it felt quite visceral in a way that those sorts of things often don't on um on Monday Night Raw, essentially, because you know that on Monday Night Raw, they're 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 shot the same way every single time. It's always in the car, it's always in the car park. It's always, you know, like you got the same the same camera angles every time. It just feels so staged. 
Whereas I think, you know, when they've done backstage interviews on NXT UK, when they've done the old knock on the general manager's door, it's always felt a lot more organic somehow. Um, and again, that's something which, you know, which creates a, a product which you can lose yourself in a little bit more because it's like you don't see the joins as much. Well, that's it, isn't it? I mean, I think the one thing WWE often underestimate is the fact that, um, uh, how to phrase this, that it's, that it's a, you know, that's an art form in itself, isn't it? Um, just producing, uh, a, a, again, because this is my view, as you know, a fictional TV show, um, you know, you take into it, I mean, I, I, I've never studied it, I don't know, but, you know, you hear all the time, you take into account things like how lighting can affect a scene and how, uh, you know, camera angles can affect a scene and, and the way things are shot and the way things are paced and the way things are directed. Uh, and, and I think that that's something WWE underestimate, if not, just don't, just don't think of, you know, it's just like, okay, this is how wrestling is shot because this is how Kevin Dunn wants it done uh, or Vince McMahon wants it done. So, when you get an NXT UK, it comes along. I'm not saying that they, they put more thought into it or as much thought as they should, but that I, I think that you basically get a glimpse of, of what WWE could be if it, if if those top two names just loosen their, their iron grip a little bit and, and let it breathe a bit more. Yeah. Um, you, you know, NXT US and I mean, NXT US, I think, has fallen into its own bad habits personally over the last couple of years, particularly. But certainly NXT UK feels like such a breath of fresh air. And, I, you know, I think some of that is probably down to the fact uh, that uh, you have it's it's the different venues. You know, I think I think there's there's something to be had in that, you know, the the, the venues that they work uh, they all visually uh, seem to have their own sense of identity as well. You know, you're not working in 20,000 seat, 15,000 seat arenas that all look the same. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, the, the hom uh, homogeneity of, of um, you know, all these arenas in America, they, they all seem to look the same now. Um and again, I mean, I certainly remember when um, Matt and I wrote our series on the Attitude Era that you'd watch Raw every week and, and it it did feel different each time, you know, um, you know, even, you know, the sort of the way the, the camera used to pan over the crowd and you had this sea of different signs and stuff. And now, of course, you know, they're terrified of these signs and there are always stories of them taking signs off fans before they even come in and, and all that kind of stuff, you know. Um, I, I just I just think that, you know, in in creating this product that's so corporate, um, they've they've shot themselves in the foot creatively. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm not I'm far from the only person to have uh, to, to have thought that. Um, Hold the phone. Breaking it, news. Yeah, it may be stating the obvious somewhat, but we've talked before, haven't we? I mean, even if you take aside the the fact that that, that Raw is too long and so on and so forth. There's there is far too much of a week one of a pay per view cycle. Raw will look like this. Week two, mm. it will look like this. Week three, it will look like this. Week four, it will look like this. And you can bait. It's basically the same each time. Even the way now they so self consciously rotate the main event slot. So ladies in the main event, then it will be 
the main event in the main event, then the tag scene in the main event, then, you know, they'll, they just keep doing that. You know, it's the week before a pay-per-view. Well, we'll have a contract signing. Um, and it used to be that, you know, when you were, um, when we were, you know, young fans growing up, you used to feel quite clever picking up those patterns like, oh, it's the go-home show. That means not much will probably happen. And you could be like, oh, yes, I really understand this wrestling lark. But, but years on, you just think, why are they still you know basically writing the same go home show um and that's what you don't get so much with nxt or nxt uk because um they do have this longer period of time to build stories um and it might be that certain feuds don't even make it on the show you know this week's nxt uk there's no pete dunn and there's no water and that's another benefit of the one hour format um because it means that you're 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 forced into resting characters and storylines and talents um, for a week or so. And it's one of the things that I've always said about NXT US as a developmental system uh, is that, you know, it's, it's much easier. And I, because, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot made of the way that NXT talents will succeed inimitably in NXT and then come up to the main roster and flop. Uh, and I think that while a lot of that undoubtedly is down to the main roster creative, it's it's a little too simplistic to say it's just the main roster creative. And I think there is something to be said about the fact that it's much easier to succeed when you're in, you know, a 10 minute segment on a TV show every three weeks and then you're in a 30 minute segment on a TV show every single week. Um, uh, you know, it's it's you, you, it's so much harder to succeed on the in the latter case than it is in, in the former case. And one of the beauty beautiful things of the one hour format again with those early roars with NXT US and NXT UK now uh, is that like I say you automatically are forced into rest of people because there just isn't room on the show for everybody now the irony is the main roster is so big you know that they're practically at that point anyway with with three hours of TV uh, you know which is a, a sad situation to be certain but like you say, when when you don't see Pete Dunne or Walter this week, and then and then they further that next week with Walter versus Jordan Devlin, I'm sure Pete Dunne will have something to to do with it. Uh, I mean, even there, you're sort of sliding straight into shared universe, which is another thing that the NXT UK has done so brilliantly, and that you're seeing sort of really kind of coming to its own now with uh, you know with this fax, new faction forming with Walter and uh, Gallus and British Strong Style. You know, and automatically you're involving uh, 10 different guys all orbiting around sort of the same level, the same scene with the NXT UK Championship smack bang in the middle of it. And quite possibly the tag team championships at some point getting pulled into that as well, if the if and when the grizzled young vets drop them. Uh, and, and like how brilliant is that and how exciting and full of life does that feel to have these, you know, you, you, it's like 97 gang rules type stable warfare. It's great. Yeah, it really is. I mean, uh, spoiler alert, obviously, um, the faction um, from, I believe it's the German uh, promotion. I forget the name off the top of my head. Um, but I know that Imp and uh, Leaf, when we talked to them after Blackpool, um, predicted that this would happen. I believe they're called uh, Ringkampf, which is a brilliant name uh, in the actual indie circuit, but I think WWE are going with um, Imperium uh, instead, which is equally cool, uh, which is obviously the uh, the German-speaking faction of Walter, who's from Austria, uh, uh, Eichner, who is from 
the Alps bit of Italy, but obviously he's a, a German and Italian speak, just like Cesaro. Um, uh, Marcel Bartel, um, and then uh, Wolf, Alexander Wolf it is, isn't it? Um, who formerly of Sanity. Um, so that's 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 going to be cool to see them rub up against Gallus and rub up against Mustache Mountain or British Strong Style, whichever you know name. They seem to be fairly interchangeable with those names, don't they? Um, you know, that's going to be a really kind of awesome thing to see. I mean, it'd be interesting to, to, to kind of speculate if maybe in November that might be the War Games match. That'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. Because it seems to me like, you know, those factions in NXT, like Undisputed Era, I mean, Undisputed Era have been in both of those so far. Like, you know, would you really put them in three of those in a row? It just would seem a little bit counterproductive. It would, given that they've won one and lost one. If they'd have won both... That I could maybe have bought is you know it's it's their match type. And yeah. They won one and lost one. It would seem, yeah, it would seem odd. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't get my hopes too high for NXT UK stealing that though. I, I feel like that's probably going to maintain a, a, you know, an NXT US, um, spot. But at the same time, you know, I mean, I would imagine we are on course at some stage for some epic showdown of some form between these groups it's it's interesting to me to think if and when we might get another nxt uk takeover announced and whether they're just holding off on um another uk championship tourney because if you remember last year they started to refer to it as 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 the annual uk championship tournament but we haven't heard anything yet on that front no we haven't i mean that to me feels like it's nxt uk's wrestlemania um uh, the first tournament, one thing is they've not, it's not been the same month so far. So the first one was in January. The second one was uh, around June. Um, so and actually they've got times to decide if they want to put it in, you know, like a, a time that suits them where maybe the other products are a bit more dead, say around September, that might work for them quite well. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Like, I do think that should be like, their equivalent of, of of NXT takeover of WrestleMania weekend, you know, it, it will be that's the that's their big show, so to speak, because it gives somebody new a shot at the title, um, and also allows them to do stuff like you know, cool stuff like debut Alistair Black, um, you know, up against uh, who was it he wrestled? I can't remember who he wrestled at that show now. No, oh, don't ask me. They all blend into one for me at this point. But they, yeah, they they had, um, you know, kind of, yeah, they had Alistair Black debut uh, at one of those, um, the first UK title um, championship. They had him, uh, they had him there, and they what did they do? Oh, it was, it was it was Neville. That was right, yeah, and they also had um, Noam Dar work, um, the the most recent one after he'd uh, come back from injury. So. So yeah, there's 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 always like cool stuff they can do with that, um, and I like the fact that you know they're not advancing these takeovers months in advance. They're kind of you know when it seemed like it was time for one, they announced it, and uh, and again, I think that's really healthy. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a part of me that kind of wants them to keep it in June. Uh, July time, because that was, you know, historically kind of like when King of the Ring would happen. 
Um, and I wouldn't even mind them starting to use that as a moniker for it, provided that the winner didn't then have to take on a bloody king gimmick. Um, but uh, because UK Championship Tournament doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. But um, I'd also love to see them keep it in, because wasn't it in Royal Albert Hall last year? So the first one was at Blackpool, wasn't it? And then this one was at, yeah, it was at Royal Albert Hall, yeah. Yeah, so I'd look, I mean, you know, there's something for them touring venues. I wouldn't necessarily mind that, but I do like the idea because of Royal Albert Hall being, you know, a, a historic venue, both within and without wrestling, of course. Um, like, I love the idea of them keeping it there. I guess we'll see what happens. Um and what came, because the other thing is, of course, the format changed, didn't it? Obviously, the first one was to win the championship, and then the second one was to get a title shot um, on like the second night. Um, so, you know, interest was. I feel like the second one was a larger tournament as well. They, yeah, that, they started it before the night, so they did some opening round matches yes. at download and stuff like that. that. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to think maybe that's what they're holding off for then, actually. I don't know when Download Festival is, but uh, maybe that's what they're, I don't know. Um, so, I mean, that's just another, it, it, but, the, you know, that, the fact they have that event, regardless of what format or when it happens or where it happens, the fact they have that, again, gives it a sense of, of identity, doesn't it? Because, you know, that's something that, I mean, I guess maybe take over Brooklyn before SummerSlam kind of became that for the American NXT for a few years. Um, it felt like, but it, it's it's never had something that conscious to build around like the UK brand has, um, and it feels like that's something that Two Hundred Five Live would really benefit from is having a, you know an event that they could that they could essentially orient their year around. Um, I mean, it's curious to me they've never redone the, the Cruiserweight Classic, which I think speaks to uh, their view of, of the Cruiserweight brand, I suppose, which now has like six wrestlers on it or something stupid. Um, but it's it's another, just another element that gives NXT UK uh, its, its powerful sense of identity. And I use the word powerful deliberately. Um, one of the, again, one of the things I mentioned in my column. Um, obviously, I do my uh, sort of my retrospectives at the end of every calendar month with WWE now, um, and uh, you know I have a document with them all listed, ready for when I come to the end of year stuff. Um, and NXT UK is dominating it at the minute. Like you know the Force Count Anywhere match, the the Finn Balor Jordan Devlin match, uh, the first the the uh, the first match to crown the first. Uh, NXT UK tag champs between Mustache Mountain and Grizzled Young Vets and then can't remember what the second one was though but there's another Grizzled Young Vets tag title match on there there very well may be another one soon with this storyline they've got going on with um, I always forget the names uh, Kenny Williams and who's his is it uh, yeah Mitchell's, yeah who have been racking up these tag team victories as well so there may very well be another one uh, headed uh to the list again soon. I mean that I, I'm really enjoying that particular storyline because it reminds me of the only Lorcan Danny Birch one from the American NXT last year that culminated in a really good tag team title match. You know, just an underdog team, an unlikely team picking up victories to earn a title shot. It's so simple, but it's so effective. Um, 
So, you know, it's worth saying that, I mean, there, there are still elements of the ring product with NXT UK that I'm not a massive fan of. I do think that uh, talents like uh, Tyler Bate and uh, Pete Dunne have a bad habit of falling into that Johnny Gargano territory of just going a bit too far. Like the, the Joe Coffey match at the first takeover, I thought was was another example of just getting a bit silly within sort of the last, with a, with an extra five or ten minutes on the end it didn't need. Um so I'm not fully enamoured with it, but it's worth saying that for the most part, I think they absolutely just slay it in the ring every time that they get an opportunity to do so. I mean, I, I, it may have been the same week, actually, as the Force Count Anyway match. I can't remember, but I really remember a very good match with Ligero on just like a random episode of NXT UK. I can't remember who it was against, though. And it's like even when you get just a throwaway match like that, they, they, they continually just show what they're able to do. And that was a hallmark, I remember, of the first NXT UK Championship is there was a very clear sense of the fact that there wasn't a Vince McMahon or someone like that breathing down, particularly Michael Cole's headset, but also bearing down on the product. And it feels like on NXT UK, the talents are really allowed to express their creativity in a less micromanaged manner. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I think... I think, you know, when you, you look at that roster, you know, the grizzled young veterans to me have been, um, you know, the MVPs of, of certainly of, of this calendar year so far, because even when um, Gibson's not been able to, to wrestle after any look and uh, burst his eardrum, and even that they made a good storyline out of, you know, his promo work has continues to be like the most brilliant type of old school heel heat um and you know like that storyline that you were mentioning about jordan um and uh and god kenny <laughs> i forget that as well. um but they're, they're you know they're um they're sort of not being taken seriously by the established tag teams you know you saw eichner and bartel take them too lightly and actually end up losing to them you know um and so you can see that they might you know, have a scenario where, you know, where the Grizzled Young Vets are like, you know, well, you know, well overconfident. I don't think they'll have, um, I don't think they'll have them win the titles off them, but I think they'll, they'll give them like a, you know, a strong run for their money. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think the UK tag team division, if you want to call it that, I, I never really like using that word too much, but, um, you know those those that tag team scene on NXT UK, um, I think is is has been surprisingly I have to say, for for my money at least, one of if not the highlight of the show. I mean I know you you've got great stuff going on in that sort of main event picture, um, but it feels like. And I don't know whether you'll agree, Matt, but it feels like the NXT UK tag scene, even though there aren't really that many teams, it somehow feels like it's the most robust tag scene in the company, even more so than like the American NXT, which doesn't really have feel like it has a lot going for it. And I know you've got you've got a lot of tag teams, relatively speaking, on the main roster, but obviously it's not really given much much care or attention, and you know is prone to weird decision making. Whereas the NXT UK tag scene. You know, you've got at least three established teams with uh, the Grizzled Young Vets, uh, Imperium and, and Mustache Mountain. You've got, you know, this underdog team with Amir Jordan and Kenny Williams. And I feel like I'm forgetting maybe one or two teams on top of that. 
Yeah, you got the uh, the wild boar and the uh, and the monkey man. Um, <laughs> uh, well, they they call them um, well, they call them the hunt. I think they're calling them, which is kind of which is quite cool. Um, so well, yeah, thing, isn't it? I mean, even though you've got two two like we can't even remember the names, but we know who they are because they've been given a sense of identity all their own, and that was what was so great about the eighties tag scene, wasn't it? Because yeah. That you you had you did have a lot of teams, but you knew like when you had those ridiculous Survivor Series matches that you love and I hate, where you had like ten, <laughs> you know, five teams on either side. Like you'd be able to pick out from just seeing them arrayed on the ring apron, you'd be able to pick out and name each one of the, each one of those ten teams on the ring apron just by looking at them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think. I think you know it's a it's a really it's a really great scene. You're getting some really great matches. And you also get those thrown together teams that end up having uh, having lots of um, you know having lots of kind of cool matches with each other. Um, and you know, unlike the thrown together tag team matches you get on Raw and SmackDown, these always feel like they have a sense of you know a sense of purpose. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's certainly. Certainly a really good scene. I've actually really enjoyed the women um, as well, I have to say. I mean, particularly Rhea Ripley, um, who has been, I just think, like a brilliant monster heel. Um, a monster heel, like, I don't know if we've really had in women's wrestling, at least not WWE women's wrestling before now. Like, I know Nia Jax has tried to be that, but she just isn't. As your interior designer, I'm saying do everything in black. Walls, sofa, carpet, goldfish, everything. Um, can we not have a bit of color? Maybe one tiny highlight in Battleship Grey. It's your home, so you should be in charge. With Avancard's flexible home improvement loan, you are. You can choose any repayment period that works best for you up to 84 months. That's seven years. Find out more at avancard.ie. Lending criteria terms and conditions apply. New applications only. Seven-year term applies to minimum loan value of €20,000. Avancard Act Trading as Avancard is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Um, <laughs> it, it's very difficult. It's just difficult to take her seriously because they pushed her to the the top far too quickly um and you know and it she had to be you know, sort of be carried a fair amount by various people and now she's just lost so much that it's she's like you know she's become female big show has she not um yeah so i, I think Rhea ripley is is a proper nasty heel you know and she bullies people and she enjoys inflicting pain and you know, if, if it wasn't such a pejorative now, I'd say that she was the, the, the female division's Brock Lesnar or maybe like Brock Lesnar as he was in 2002. Well, she's I mean, she's she's the female Pete Dunne on the show, isn't she? I mean, and, and I don't necessarily say I know there's the joke about the fact that they look like brother and sister. But, you know, the I get the impression she's taken a little bit of a cue from him in terms of, of being just mean, because let's not forget. I mean, I know he's kind of become almost de facto a good guy now but but Pete Dunne is a vicious son of a bitch like he's a nasty um and and that's I mean that's the that's the other thing I don't know how far it extends but I always get a real sense of, of communal effort from that roster uh, and a real sense of, of 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 locker room pride like I imagine you could walk into the NXT UK locker room and they genuinely would contest that theirs is the best show WWE put out and they well, I mean, I said in the column that I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and you know, I I, I think, 
again, like with the, the female division, you've got a really good spread of, um, of, of different types of women. You know, you've got Tony Storm, who's that kind of, you know, uh, I guess she's a little bit of the 2000 Jericho, you know, like she's kind of, she's kind of flamboyant and, you know, uh, likable. Um, you've got, um, you got like Isla Dawn, who is kind of, well, I've said this before, I wish they'd just go a bit more all in with her gimmick, like literally, you know, make her female gangrel. I think that'd be, <laughs> that'd be really cool. Lean into the whole uh, witch thing a little bit more than they do already. Katie Ray has obviously come in as, you know, is, is kind of fulfilling that um, more like hardcore um, niche. Um, and then you've got Piper Niven that's just started as well, who obviously, again, is now the one that's going to stand up to Rhea Ripley and say, well, you can't bully me. Um, so there's a really there's a really good sense of what's going on. Ginny, of course, is the sort of, you know, uh, the one that turns her nose up on everybody. So, yeah, there's this there's, there's really strong female wrestling going on there as well. I would say at the moment, much stronger female wrestling than we're getting in, in, in normal NXT, you know, Shayna Baszler aside. I mean, the, the, the one name that I would want to drop is, is Killer Kelly, who, um, mainly because of an of a, a, a incredibly good match that she had with, uh, and I forgive me if I get, if I pronounce this wrong, but Mako Satamora in the Mayo Classic last year. She had a fantastic match. Yeah, I mean, again, even within divisions, you know, it comes back to roster positioning again. Even within divisions, you've got, I mean, it's such. NXT UK, when you start to really pick it apart, uh, is is really such a, a sort of a of a how to when it comes to to building a wrestling roster. I feel granted I've never done it, you know, obviously, um, but but knowing what I know as a fan and 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 having experienced what I've experienced as a fan over the years, I feel like it's 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 an absolute just. What are those manuals called that that uh, are full of the blue diagrams of cars and stuff and you get them for? Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know those ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what they're called, but it's it's like if there was one for for a wrestling roster, it would be NXT UK because you've got the overall roster position and within each division, like you've just been running the gamut there with the with the women. You know, you've got the monster heel and you've got the fighting champion and you've got and it's and it's like a, it's like a a a. a, a, a a fully fleshed out roster in its own bubble, as is the tag division, as is the men's division. Uh, and then all together, like if NXT UK, frankly, was its completely own uh, thing that wasn't part of WWE, and I know, and I don't want to start getting people sort of pounced on me on Twitter saying you should check this out and this out. I don't have the time to do it um, for these other promotions. But it's, it's, it's a demonstration that if, you know, if, if it was easily available, uh, if it had a, a, um, a TV deal, for example, uh, and, and WWE didn't exist like that, that would be a success in its own right because it's been such a brilliantly put together product. It's been allowed to grow the way it has. It has the roster division uh, positioning absolutely on point. Uh, there's a lot of it. There's a, there's there's a lot of elements to NXT UK that remind me so much of my favorite era in WWE history, which is of course the new generation era, um, because it's, it's, it's fully dialed into character. It's got the strong roster positioning. It's got the one hour weekly format. It's got the sparse, um, 
uh, 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 I, I, I hesitate to use the word pay-per-view, but like special event is the term WWE like, isn't it? Um, going on for it, um, you know, I mean, hell, if they <laughs> if they did some kind of in your like ninety minute in your house thing every now and then as well, that would be uh, that would be just swell for me. So there's a lot of it, and the and the wrestling tends to be quite cerebral, with with the odd exception. Um, so there's you know. It's just it's it's a product that I have slowly become rather quite charmed by. I mean, it's, it's I know, and I know I know you. I mean, you've been a big fan of it from from day one. I think absolutely. Yeah, uh, I, I think it was just I was so down on the main product when it came out. I think I was going to be predisposed to really enjoying it. But but for a lot of the reasons we've discussed, you know, the fact it is an hour, you can just, you know, I mean, really, if you fast forward the network adverts, it's more like 50 minutes. Um, and, you know, you, you get through you get through that and you just think even when it was not a particularly, you know, like big week, you just think, well, that was you know, that was thoroughly enjoyable. And, you know, and now it's been on for, for the amount of times it has, you know, I'm thoroughly invested in you know, in a lot of these characters, you know, um, and there are lots of new favourites that, you know, I didn't know before, you know, uh, being able to see, you know, I mean, basically to, from from June to now, my my opinion of, of Jordan Devlin to change, you know, to change so much. And I know that Imp and Leaf said to us at the time, you know, uh, back in June that I oh, actually know he's really he's really on a tear at the moment. And we were sceptical. And no, they were absolutely right. Like he has just been not only in his form in the ring, but his character, as we previously discussed. You know, I've absolutely loved watching Eichner and Bartel. I mean, I actually really liked Eichner in the, the Cruiserweight Classic when that happened. Um, but yeah, I, those two are absolutely fantastic tag team. Um, so lots of lots of people that you know, have really, have really kind of enjoyed it. Eddie Dennis's character work, of course, was absolutely fantastic. Um, Rhea, Rhea Ripley, as we discussed earlier, you know, um, th there's just been so much, um, so much good stuff. So many like random great matches. I mean, there was a, um, a really great one between Tyler Bate and uh, James Drake, uh, which was, you know, a sort of uh, prelude to another, um, Grizzled Young Veterans v Mustache Mountain match. And, you know, those two uh, worked a really great singles main event match a couple of weeks ago, which is well worth checking out uh, if mean, you've even, not seen. Even if, you know, even in the case of uh, Mustache Mountain, uh, obviously they've been there since the very first tournament. Um, and by the way, that's another thing that I think WWE, to their credit, have done really well with the UK brand as they built it gradually over a couple of years. Um, rather than just go all in from the off, which I think like they did with 205 Live, and I think that that's, that's helped. But, um, you know, Mustache Mountain, they've been there since the beginning. Uh, they were featured singles performers in the first UK tournament. Uh, Tyler Bate obviously had a singles run with the UK Championship. They've since embraced British Strong Style. They've become Mustache Mountain. Very naturally... Like, I've been such a big fan of the fact that they have been treated first and foremost as a tag team since the inception of the brand, rather than as kind of singles performers who every now and then are a tag team. Because, you know, to, and I'm, I'm sorry to keep coming back to it, but again, on the roster position front, it means you've got a, uh, a, uh, a top attraction in the brand 
in the tag team division as well. You know, it's not all just like you think about the main roster and all the sort of the major attractions. I mean, I know Usos have their fans and, and Revival have their fans. I don't think it would be necessarily that accurate to say that they are top attractions on the main roster, though, because they aren't treated as such. Whereas Mustache Mountain feel very much like they are treated as such. And that's why it was such a genius move to have Grizzled Young Vets be the first champions instead of them. Because Mustache Mountain are, mar- are a marquee attraction for NXT UK anyway. Uh, and this way, the Grizzled Young Vets can become one as well. Um, and again, it's just it just just perfect, uh, I think, decision-making on that front. But it, again, it just feels so refreshing to have a brand where you have Pete Dunne as a top attraction, you have Walter as a top attraction, you have Mustache Mountain as a tag team as a top attraction, Tony Storm and Rhea Ripley as top attractions. There's variety there as well, and it yeah. feels like it feels like each one of these divisions is treated equally. There isn't a favoritism to one or the other. There isn't a, a kind of a, a, a need to politicize uh, the main event scene, politicize from the locker room perspective, the main event scene by saying, okay, well, we have to give the women this main event. You know, it's, it's more a case of each division is, is, is each division. They're just, they're just equal. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I think they, they do a really good job of, yeah, of rotating, you know, who the focus is on. And some weeks it might just be about introducing new talent. You know, some weeks you do just have a load of debuts um, and there still are, you know, rotating people in and out or some people that came in as enhancement suddenly suddenly get a, a proper opportunity. You know, there are some guys that are in the original couple of tournaments that, you know, are still getting matches, but they haven't really done much with yet, you know, in terms of storyline and stuff like that. Um you know, uh, guys like Dan Maloney and um, God, I can't remember the other chap's name. The guy from Nottingham. Um, but you know, there's 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 lots of uh, there's there's lots of potential out there to kind of expand the range of characters. But what they've done is they've focused on a a core of about twelve, uh, and then they can they can build from there. And I think that again, we did this with um, with Sasan when we we all kind of built. Um, you know, a kind of uh, a roster of a sensible size, you know, under under certain categories. And, you know, I, I think NXT UK, again, have, have got that bit right, too. Yeah, the, the, the thing with that, though, for me, at least moving forward, is that they have to make sure that they sooner at this point rather than later, I feel, for someone like Pete Dunne particularly, map out the pathway away from NXT and towards either NXT US or the main roster, depending on how that relationship is envisioned. Um, so that NXT UK doesn't become uh, stagnated by an inability for talents to, to break out beyond that brand. Uh, you know, we don't want a 205 Live situation um, where it isn't done for so long and then suddenly it's done en masse and the brand is just absolutely destroyed from the inside out as a result. Um, I'm sure 205 Live will rebuild itself, but I don't want to see that for NXT UK. So I hope that, you know, like with Pete Dorney's had that epic long title reign, it feels like there's a little unfinished business there. So, you know, I totally get him still being there, but it feels like, you know, within the year, the character there's not there's, there isn't much left. I feel for that character to do within that pocket of WWE's fictional universe. So whether he moves to NXT US or the main roster, 
you know, um, I feel like they need to map out a direction so that the that talents and characters have a way out of that scene when they've, you know, when they've done everything they can, and that will then afford room for those kind of peripheral characters to then be developed and be able to step up and take those central roles. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do. I do think Pete Dunne needs to be uh, on the main roster um, by SummerSlam. I would hope. Uh, I think he deserves it more than anything else. I think the product could do with him. Um, and I th- and I think you know there has to be an obvious path out. We were talking about shared universe earlier on as well, and you know I, I think people like Legero would be a great fit on Two O Five Live. Um, so I, I hope some of the the smaller works on XT UK will get a bit of a chance on Two O Five Live because. You know, again, I think, you know, we've seen Mark Andrews work over there before. Um, you know, I really think at some point, you know, Andrews, Flash Morgan Webster, Legero, you know, they would be great people to, to, to stick on 205 Live for a bit. Flash Morgan Webster is probably the the one uh, NXT UK talent that I just am never destined to be a fan of. Um, no, I mean, I've, I've, in the tag team, Mark Andrews, I, I find him palatable enough sure. uh, yeah. as a singles performer, maybe not. But again, on 205, where everyone is his runty size, it's, it's not going to make too much of a difference. <laughs> runty size. Well, I mean, the, the, the interesting thing about NXT UK is that the British performers seem to be of, on, on the smaller side, generally. Yeah, so, um, sort of, oh, Zach, maybe like, yeah, sort of... <laughs> Zach Gibson, Joe Coffey, Mark Coffey, Wolfgang aside, yeah, Eddie Dennis, Mastiff, yeah, but mostly they are they are those sorts of, uh, you know, those 200 or just below 200 pounds type of workers. But NXT US is very much like that. I mean, if you look at the all of the undisputed era guys, um, not to mention, you know, not to mention Gargano um, and Champa. Yeah, it's there's it, it. I think it's just the way wrestling's gone, though, isn't it? I mean, you know, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart kicks that door in for the two hundred and twenty pounders, and since then, uh, the 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 barrier to success has got you know, uh, it's to do with your size has got less and less. I mean, the fact that Rey Mysterio is a multiple world champion, you know, and and, and he was like you know at five stone dripping wet, wasn't he? So, um, but the point I was going to make is that uh, you know. That's that's why I say let them map out a way beyond NXT UK because NXT UK, perhaps more than any other brand, is in that sense the most versatile because the vast majority of the roster there, uh, and I and I take what you're saying with with the American one. I just feel it's it's more prevalent with the UK one. The vast majority of the roster there could go literally to any show. They could they could fit in on NXT UK US. They could. Fit in on Till Five Live, they fit in on Spinal Live, they fit in on Monday Night Raw, uh, and that's the exciting thing is is as a British wrestling fan particularly, because of course we've never had a British world champion in WWE, and I'm not a particularly, um, uh, you know, I'm I'm not someone who puts too much stock in 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 national identity. Uh, I'm more of a, a globalist, I guess you would say, but uh, it would be cool to see a British world champion at some point, and that's the exciting thing is to think that maybe. Uh, British and European talents, of course, as well, are going to start filtering more into WWE. It's going to become less, perhaps, American-centric in the next five or six years, um, which will only add more variety and colour to the main roster, if anything, uh, and perhaps be able to shake off that ugly habit 
of Vince's that still to this day raise its head every now and then of becoming a little jingoistic. Yeah, I mean, I think what's what's interesting, of course, is is that they've um, is that they've made it quite pan-European, you know. Yeah. They they've been, I mean, and Australian and New Zealand and you know they they brought in people like Eichner, Bartel, Walter, um, Tony Storm, Rhea Ripley. Um, so uh, even Cassisono, you know. Not to put a downer on the conversation, it will. It might be interesting to see uh, how it could become affected, depending on what happens in October. <laughs> well, hopefully nothing will happen in October. That's my well, uh, my, my, my firm <laughs> note. Um, but yeah, I I I, I can only um, I can only assume that you know they've they because I think really because it's written by Americans, they don't really understand Britishness anyway. So mm. you know, although that first episode has a telephone box and God knows what else. And, and, you know, uh, they put like a grime track as a sound, you know, as a soundtrack and stuff like that. So they made some clumsy stabs at understanding modern Britain or something. Um, essentially they just allowed it to be a wrestling product. Uh, and I think that's been the strength of it. Which is all that we want. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's, and it's a great wrestling product. It's simple. Uh, it's intimate. It's, uh, it feels unique uh, and it's full of interesting characters who continue to develop. And that's, I mean, the most frustrating thing, the thing that has you just throwing your, pulling your hair out and throwing your hands in the air and, and, and just so tightly wound all the time with, with WWE's main roster product is it's the simplest. We, we just want the simplest things in the world as, as wrestling fans, ultimately. Uh, and that's what we get with something like NXT UK. You know, it doesn't get overthought. It's not trying to make a point about how clever it is all the time. You know, it isn't. It isn't wanting to come off as knowing fans better than fans know themselves. You know, it doesn't need embarrassing situations where staff are on Twitter saying, "Oh, just, just enjoy it." You know, just you know, refusing to even acknowledge the possibility that maybe a name like the Viking Experience is fucking awful. Um, you know, it 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 doesn't it 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 rises above above all of that by just being simpler than all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you know the simplicity of it is 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 its strength, and I think as we've said before, the fact it's not being tampered with as much as its U.S. equivalents has has been um, one of the, the the best things about it. I would I would be very interested. I don't know if that inf- this information's out there or not, but I'd be very interested to know, um, like from from the the standpoint of of the shows being written, how many people are involved in the 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 sort of the deciding the creative direction week to week, because my understanding is the main roster is sort of written by committee, um, uh, with Vince obviously having the final say. I'd be interested to know from a, just from a numbers perspective how many sort of heads are involved in the process because I'm I don't know that process at all. But I would imagine just from a sort of common sense perspective that the fewer people involved, the better. Because one of the things about obviously the 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 sort of those early roars that were so good is that it would be like Vince and Pat Patterson and maybe Jim Cornette or Jim Ross or someone sat. At his house doing creative for the next few weeks. Yeah, you know, it was like three or four guys doing it, and not a room full of fifteen or twenty people 
or trying to throw in again i don't know how the process works but i understand that there's uh, a fair number of people involved in that process on the main roster yeah it strikes me as probably being too many people and i'd be interested to know for, for both american and british nxts you know how many people are involved by comparison I yeah. certainly imagine that Triple H isn't making changes to the scripts after the show has gone on air. Like yeah, no, it'd be, it'd be a, a lot fewer people involved. And also, like, they have this weird thing with Raw and SmackDown where somebody is um, on the road uh, and somebody is back in headquarters and they're sort of corresponding and there's an overview and then the person in the row actually sits down with the wrestlers and writes the stuff and then it all goes by Vince and Vince changes it and it just sounds like an absolute mess. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think the fact that, yeah, it's, it's written all for a set of tapings as well. So it has a consistency that you sometimes don't get in the main roster too. I mean, that's interesting, isn't it? We, we kind of spoke about that on a show a number of months ago and how the kind of the live TV thing feels, at least for wrestling feels, uh, kind of like old hat at this point where it, you know, it was all the, it was, it was, it was kind of the prime territory to, to have in the, in the nineties, I suppose. Uh, but you know, obviously the way people consume TV has changed, uh, quite considerably. Um, but wrestling is, is a curious one because it's in that, you know, it's, it's in that just from a purely kind of practical perspective, it's in that, territory where it's episodic storytelling uh like i don't know like a series like stranger things that people binge watch but it's also kind of like a sport so it's it's you know in sports tend to air live and are watched live so it's sort of which way do you go obviously as you full well know and as anyone who listens to my shows before well know i'm more on the side of, of fiction than i am on sport uh, and I think that shows like NXT US and NXT UK demonstrate uh, that you don't necessarily have to worry about spoilers um, and that maybe one way to go moving forward is to is to record TV ahead of time uh, so that you're not constantly course correcting every two seconds uh, and then release you know, release your TV episodes so in, in some format so people can binge watch ahead of a pay-per-view if they want to. And, and Because essentially that's kind of... The, the habits involved in binge-watching are kind of the same habits involved now when you think about it, aren't they? A lot of people will fast-forward through a lot of Raw and stuff anyway and pick the bits that interest them. Um, and and binge-watching would seem to... to or, or, you know, producing and presenting and selling the show to the people in a way that would facilitate binge watching would seem to be friendlier to that it's an interesting thing to think about but i feel like the way we consume wrestling should change somehow yeah it has changed um i think that's just because of modern lives you know yeah um, absolutely it's and certainly well certainly from a british perspective i mean we've never had the luxury of sitting down and watching something live at a reasonable time anyway although we could if we wanted to watch nxt uk that way because it's there at eight o'clock our time um on a wednesday but but you know it's it's certainly the case that that nxt and nxt uk i'll tend to you know if i if i get a week behind i'll just catch up and i'll just watch two or three in a row um and it is much more that netflix experience whereas because raw and smackdown are still you know on network television and not on 
their own network it, it's more difficult to do that if you miss a couple of weeks of the tv product it's kind of difficult to find a way to catch up other than the short short youtube clips that they put out there it's very interesting thinking about um in particular i mean i don't know because obviously it's it's a different kettle fish altogether in in the u.s um because they don't have you know um tv licensing as as far as i'm aware that we have um but you know there's there's you read articles all the time now about how more and more i think particularly younger people in this country uh just aren't having a tv license anymore i mean i know a couple of friends who don't pay for a tv license uh, and they just use you know streaming services so they'll use netflix or whatever instead and watch all their tv through that um and it's interesting to think if that trend continues where that might leave uh, something like WWE, you know, in, in say, 20, 25 years' time, uh, where it may be that broadcasting on TV is completely obsolete altogether, um, in which case, you know, do they do they provide their main shows to, you know, overseas territories like ours that may eschew uh, traditional TV and subscription services in favour of things like Netflix altogether eventually? You know, do they move it onto the network I don't know. It's just it's a it's an interesting thing thing to think about to think about how habits are changing, how the world is changing, and how because I feel like that's that's one of their biggest issues or Vince's biggest issues is he doesn't seem any he's always adapted to the times. It just doesn't feel like he's adapting to the times anymore, and it feels like WWE think that so long as they plug their hashtags, that's them plugged into the way modern society works. Yeah. No. It's. It's certainly it's certainly an interesting question to ponder that one. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, the I think, sound of the sound of math pondering there. Yeah, absolutely. I it's it, I don't know if I have an answer to that necessarily, but oh, um, no, but it's certainly something which you know when you look at WWE's um, direction, they do need to understand. I think modern audiences a lot more. They seem to think that. Uh, it, everyone has a short attention span so you just need to give them these all these like you know short segments and uh, and and matches all the time and then more matches and and it's it's actually probably not what a wrestling audience wants you know it might be something that well, wider society does but i think that uh, th there's another element in play when you talk about uh, attention spans in particularly obviously one of their major issues in wwe is continuity um and they show not just a lack of continuity, but I think the, the trend of their habits demonstrate a contempt for the idea of continuity in the sense of it's almost like they think, oh, we don't need to worry about it. People aren't going to care. But people do care. Um, and people care more, I think, now than they ever have. Because we live in an age where, and I don't like using this, this term for it, but for lack of a better one, um, where nerd culture is, is very much in the ascendancy. You know, you think about like the 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 uh, just the the sheer amount of money that these comic book movie franchises reel in, like clockwork. Um, you know, and they're all over the streaming services, they're all over TV, and that's just one example. You know, there's I think there's 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 loads of examples where interests that in the distant past were considered kind of the the realm of of geeks or whatever. Um, have become mainstream pop culture and i would include wrestling in that i think wrestling is a very niche uh, interest to have obviously there were times when it was very much the mainstream pop culture 
But what I'm trying to drive at is that I think, you know, particularly with an issue like continuity, which within that those kinds of cultures of which I am a big part, you know, means a hell of a lot. You know, you think about to take an example, the Marvel movies, um, you know, and, and the discussions that the fans of those franchise films will have oftentimes will pin down continuity will praise them or, or criticize them for little touches of continuity for getting you know an actor who had a cameo in a film back to play the same cameo again or something like that um and wwe need to realize that in this day and age actually fans of of uh, of things like wrestling put a lot of stock into things like continuity and that actually it, you kind of get a big kick when, when you know, out of the fact that CM Punk references Randy Orton destroyed his, his you know, knocked his drink over years ago when he destroyed a table, you know, because it's it's cool and it and it creates a sense of synergy to the product, you know. I mean, the best elements of WWE's product recently have been the ones that are rooted in continuity. Dean and Seth's relationship, which obviously you and I have have, have analysed at great length and in great detail, is full of those references and callbacks. Uh, and you want that sense of continuity in this day and age, particularly where, like I say, that kind of thing is is very much, you know, Game of Thrones is a, is another example and stuff, you know, very much the the order of the day. And I, and it's time that they recognise that there's a difference between taking a creative liberty uh, and just not giving a toss about what's happened in the past. Fans do care; they do remember. Um, but even if they don't remember, that's not an excuse to not pay attention to what's happened in the past anyway, because someone somewhere will remember and will point it out. You know, one of the major issues with WWE is just the lack of, I recorded an episode of SCID a couple of weeks ago about it, spoke about it last week on this show. You know, it's the lack of, of logic in the world building. You know, nothing, nothing when, when nothing has any consequence, when continuity doesn't matter, nothing means anything. One of the great things about NXT UK has been the sense of continuity being there. The fact that, you know, uh, for example, uh, you know, Mustache Mountain came out to help Pete Dunn. I'm not sure if this episode is the episode where the Imperium formed aired yet. No, it's not aired yet. No, oh, but Alexander Wolf, but Alexander Wolf like tweeted it out as soon as it happened, oh, right? Okay. So <laughs> it's like I think it's pretty common knowledge. Fair enough. Um, you know, so so you know, the fact Mustache Mountain came out to help Pete Dunn you know, matters because people know that pre-established relationship. Um, and so, you know, it, it just, I don't know why they're so adverse to it. I don't know why they, they seem to so willingly not care about making things make sense. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like when they do stuff like the shake-up where they they move loads of people and then they pretend as if nothing happened the week afterwards and they always end up in, the, in, in a, you know, they end up back where they started again. Like, that's insulting to people. It, it is. Truly, it truly is. And they've not even referenced the fact that they've, you know, they've gone, so they, they've sort of done this Viking experience thing and they've changed it because of the, the, the outcry, but they just, they haven't even mentioned the retcon. It's just, you, you're, you're just forced to accept it. And that's, that's really silly. Um, and wrestling once prized itself on consistent long-term storytelling and the fact that they think it doesn't matter and their fans don't and they don't think their it matters to their fans that is so so insulting um and it, it shows the sort of the contempt that i think vince occasionally holds his audience in you know and, it, and we've said before it's increasingly obvious that 
you know that that he doesn't really have his finger on the pulse now um and, and he's kind of pleasing himself as opposed to pleasing his audience and you know and as any sort of creative force like that's the worst place you can be in absolutely absolutely well, uh, NXT UK, um, I think, has been a tremendous success. I know Plan agrees with me. Do check out Plan's column on the subject. It's very, very good. Um, and, of course, it airs every Wednesday um, at 8 p.m. UK, which I think would be 3 Eastern. Um, so do check do check out NXT UK if you're not already. It is a, a great product, particularly if you like your stories. Um, and your characters. Um, before we get out of here, go check out the rest of our Lefty Radio shows from that man uh, on a Monday. Um, then we've got uh, One Nation Radio on Tuesday, along with Global Impact. Uh, we've got uh, Plan, of course, on Wednesday with the sports name is Dead. Uh, Thursday will be in and burn with the Perfect Ten. We're back on Friday, and of course we got Doc on a Sunday with Doc Says. Um, so from the right side of the ponds, hope everyone enjoys their weekend, and we'll see you later on. Bye.